guys. You're listening to Share Crime. I'm Kenzie. And I'm Amy. Today, we are bringing you another story from our home state. This is the third episode in our series we like to call Minnesotes. Amy will be sharing the case with us today. Like you, I have not heard it. So without further ado, I'll hand it over to you. Ooh, <laughs> so rhymey on timey. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> We are going to be talking about the murder of Deborah Hollerman. Mm. Now, this one specifically spoke to me because, well, I happen to know her son. Interesting. I used to work with him. Really? He was my boss at Taco John's. Really? Yep. <laughs> Taco John's comes back, huh? Taco John's. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. I don't know why I always think that song whenever I think of them. Um. Yes. So this happened in 2002. So I was in what, 10th grade, I think, roughly, because I graduated in 2004. So yeah, so 19 years ago. Well, not quite. Yeah, yeah. 19 years ago, 2002. Yeah. 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 So we'll get right into it. So what began as an investigation into a car accident soon turned to something more sinister. In March of 2002, Steve and Deborah Hollerman were driving home on a rural stretch of highway in Isani County, Minnesota. So I grew up in Princeton, Minnesota. And if you were to take Highway 95 straight east, you would hit Cambridge, Minnesota. You'd hit North Branch. Oh, I've been up that way a few times. Eventually, you'd hit Wisconsin. Like, it goes right into Wisconsin. I can't remember exactly what town it is, though, that's right there. I want to say Taylor's Falls, but I could be totally wrong about that. I, yeah, I wouldn't know, actually. Yeah. So this is, like, super close. Cambridge is about 20 minutes away. Now, Steve had been driving, and what happened was that the car had crashed into the back of an unoccupied stalled vehicle on the shoulder of this one-lane highway. So Highway 95 was a scary stretch. Um, It literally is, you know, like one of those highways where there's only one lane going one direction and the other lane is going the other direction. I think I've actually driven on that highway or one similar and they are, it's terrifying. They're very scary. Yep. And it's usually like, like it said, it's very rural. Rural? Rural. It's very rural. So, (laughs) am I saying this right? Rural? Rural. Rural. (laughs) You're saying how you say it girl it's very <laughs> it's very remote yeah <laughs> so you do run the risk of well car accidents yeah. is like a big yeah. one but also like deer running out into the road because there's nothing sure it's, yep. it's a lot of like country that you're riding through now witnesses say that steve gets out of his car pulls his wife out of the passenger seat and is cradling her in his arms until first responders arrived on the scene. And that they basically had to, quote unquote, tear him away. Interesting. Yeah. Now, Steve had been wearing a seatbelt. Deborah was not wearing a seatbelt. So, of course, that's the first thing you think about. Sure. Of course she passed away, you know. If or, you're not wearing a seatbelt and you're in a car crash, and if you're going a decent speed, I mean, you're going to hurt yourself. Absolutely. Significantly. Yeah. The only people who seem to walk away in that situation are like drunks, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it seemed like a real open and shut case, but former Minnesota State Trooper Tony Snyder did not buy it. He says, and I quote, there was more blood than I had ever seen in any car accident. And the car wasn't even totaled and was considered 
quote unquote, probably drivable. Okay. Okay. That is weird. Very weird. Usually in this situation, the car would be, you know, a pop can, like just crushed. Right. You would think if he head on, the whole front would be shoved in. Absolutely. And he would have probably been banged up to or at least unconscious, you know. In some respect, yeah. You're still going to hit probably the steering wheel. Like, your body's going to jolt forward if you're going that fast. So, hmm. And at that speed, you would also expect, like, airbags to be deployed. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. I will say there is no mention of airbags, but I'm going to say pretty confidently they did not deploy Hmm. in this situation. Interesting. If there were any. Right. But I would assume there was. It was 2002. Not that long ago. Right, right. Yeah. Now, all of this information was taken from Oxygen.com, like the Oxygen Network. Yep. And Tony Snyder is saying, quote, how can there be this much blood, this little damage, and somebody dead? He was telling Oxygen Show Accident, Suicide, or Murder, which is a show on the Oxygen Network that airs on Saturday nights. Sure. Now, friends of the Hollermans said that they had been married for about 14 years and that they appeared to be the perfect couple. That's always a red flag. And why do we always hear that? <sighs> we literally heard that with Amy Allwine, too. <laughs> it's starting to freak me out, Kenzie. Like, I think once we get to, like, the 10-year mark, you and I are going to have to move out <laughs> and get our own place together. Yes, yes. Because I can't even trust our husbands anymore. <laughs> this shit is not... It's too close. Please, if someone tells me that me and my husband are the perfect couple, get me out. Right. <laughs> Right. Now, at the hospital that night, however, Steve didn't shed a single tear when he found out that his wife was dead. So friends said that he was really withdrawn and that he kept blaming himself for the accident. You know, this accident was all my fault is what he kind of kept saying. Sure. Which, I mean, yeah, sure. You were driving. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, Snyder went to the impound lot because he wanted to learn more about the accident and he wanted to take pictures of the vehicle. The lot owner told him that he wasn't the only one who was interested in the vehicle. He said that Steve had called several times asking for the vehicle to be released. Okay, and, that's weird. Yeah, and this was only two days after the accident. Oh, Jesus. The car was still covered in blood. Like, what would you want with that at that point, oh, right? Oh, I'm sure he wants to see if he left anything behind, right? I mean, why yeah. else would you want it? It doesn't make sense. No. No. To a normal person, it doesn't make right. sense. So they photographed the vehicle during the day. Snyder had found blood on the back seat, on the ceiling, and literally everywhere. All over this car. There's blood. Yeah, that is strange. Yeah. So he knew immediately that this was not consistent with a crash of this kind. Sure. Now, the medical examiner had ruled her injuries consistent with the death from a car crash. Really? Yeah. But suspicions grew when police received an anonymous tip that Steve had been having an affair with a co-worker at the hospital that he worked at. Mm-hmm. So now things are starting to get a little bit more yep. weird. There's always an affair. It's always an affair. <laughs> Damn it. God. Now police and the county attorney agreed with Snyder that this crash needed further investigation. So multiple agencies and investigators joined in and examined the Jeep. They set up a conference call with the medical examiner to share the findings before the autopsy was finalized and the death certificate was filed. However, they were a little bit late. The medical examiner had already completed the autopsy the day after the car crash, and it was ruled an accident. Yeah. 
Now, what they had found is that she had suffered multiple skull fractures and bruising to her brain, and she had died of blunt force trauma. Again, super consistent with a car accident. Sure. It makes sense. So I I can see why he didn't 100% like question it. And was he aware of what type of car accident it was? Like, I don't know like if the they impact, get that. Did he get that kind of information? Because I think that's kind of crucial in this case that he should have had that information to be like, hey, just so you know, with whatever findings you have, this was a mild car accident. The husband is still alive. The only person that was killed and was bloodied all over was the wife. Like, right. I mean, did it would be interesting to know if they gave him that information. Right. And it would sort of make a little bit more sense had they been like T-boned, right? On the passenger side. Oh, sure. Sure, sure. But yeah. I don't know if medical examiners are given that information. Right. I don't know if they go above and beyond and say anything other than it was a car accident. Here's what we have. Sure. I don't know. They didn't go into that. Snyder wanted a second autopsy, but it was too late. Mm-hmm. She had already been cremated. What? They rushed <gasps> this big time. That is... How can that happen? I know. If there is even a slight bit of suspicion that this could have been a murder? Wh- what? I know. It's insane. Now, prior to the crash happening, Steve had told police that the two of them had gone out to dinner and had done some shopping at several stores in Cambridge, Minnesota, which totally tracks. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been to Princeton, well, now they have a Walmart. But prior to that, there was literally nothing there. <laughs> so you had to go places like Elk River or Cambridge or St. Cloud to go shopping. Okay, there yep. was nothing else nearby. Now, using receipts from the stores... And using surveillance footage at the different stores that he claims that they went to, they were able to use this footage to try to back up his timeline. Mm, However, they did notice about a two and a half hour gap between the last store that they visited and the time of the accident. Go figure. Right. Now, they'd left that store at about 7.25 p.m. And like I said, it's only about a 20 minute drive back to his house in Princeton. The call for the car accident came in at 10 p.m. So, like, what happened? Something was happening, of course. Yes. Now, they did notice upon investigation that the couple did have a vacation cabin that they owned that was roughly halfway between Princeton and Cambridge, which I was like, that's 15 minutes from your house. That's not a vacation cabin. No. What the fuck? Why do you own a cabin that's that close to your house? That was weird to me. Like, <laughs> really weird. But, I mean, I guess they never had to worry about, like, you know, traffic driving up to their cabin on the weekends. But it's not far enough away. It's like, not far enough away. Like it's way to, too close to yeah, home. You go to a cabin to get away from your normalcy. Like, and that's not, not far see enough. people you know. Right. You would still see everybody you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's like going to your neighbor's house. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of weird to me. That part I did not know about. No, that's weird. Now, he figures that, you know, maybe they could have stopped at the cabin, spent a little time there, and then were driving home, and that's when the crash happened. But search warrants for the cabin and the Jeep were obtained, and when they get to the cabin, nothing out of the ordinary is found. Like, there's nothing that makes them think that that's where they were. Or that anything happened there, I should say. But when they go and inspect the Jeep, that tells a whole nother story. So the lever used to adjust the driver's seat had blood all over it. So did the switch to turn on the headlights. 
And the driver's seat was also pushed back as far as it could possibly go. And Steve was not the tallest man on the planet. He wasn't short, but it didn't make sense. Okay. It was as far back as he could have possibly have sat while still being able to reach the pedals. Now, the knob used to adjust the mirrors on the passenger side was also bloody and was covered with fresh pieces of flesh and blood and hair. Oh. Yeah. It was a little gross. The passenger side windshield was also cracked and it had a bloody sweater print on it. That right there solidified to Snyder the belief that Deborah had already been injured and bleeding prior to the actual crash happening. Because why would there have already been blood on her sweater when it hit the windshield? Right. Right? It didn't, it, that doesn't make oh sense. Oh my God, that's weird. Yeah, super weird. Now, the medical examiner was able to amend the death certificate and change the manner of death to homicide based on all of these findings. Yeah. So that's at least good, Thank even God. though they couldn't do another autopsy. During another interview with Steve, initially he claims that they had been arguing over how to redecorate and remodel their cabin. But eventually, after a little bit of more chatter, the story takes on a different Mm -hmm. tone. He then tells investigators that they got into a really heated argument and that he assaulted her, grabbed her by her hair, and was slamming her head into the corner of the vehicle. Oh, my God. Yeah. So basically, he's reaching over and grabbing her and slamming her into the corner of the car, right? Yeah. Now, because this was a voluntary conversation between law enforcement and Steve, he was released and wasn't arrested for nine more days, which does not fucking make sense to me. Didn't he just admit... To killing her, basically? There was no further information on that, and that doesn't it makes make me sense. really uncomfortable. I mean, were they trying to figure out how this was going to work and to make sure they had enough evidence? Like, what were they trying to do? Because, like, what if he up and ran? Right. I think they were definitely keeping an eye on him. That is weird. Super weird. When he was finally apprehended, he gave a detailed account of what happened. So he had grabbed her and was banging her head against the mirror adjuster. So... That little, like, knob on the inside back on those cars. God. Ow. Yeah. So that's obviously where the hair and the flesh came from. Oh, God. Ew. I know. It hurts just, like, thinking about it. Because it's probably, like, in her temple. Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, right up in here. Now, at one point, she attempted to flee the vehicle, but he dragged her back into it, saying that they needed to get to a hospital. Because now he's apparently concerned for her well-being. Trying to get her back into the car, she apparently, quote-unquote, slipped and hit her head on the outside of the Jeep. And after driving off to go to the hospital during this point, this is when the car accident occurred. Oh, God. I know. Why wouldn't he tell this story at the beginning? (sighs) Like, if it was so, like, accidental, I mean... I mean, obviously, she ended up dying. So there was more than just, like, his first aggression and slamming her head into you know there it wasn't just like this initial assault like right. he fucking killed her right like, and it makes me wonder if he had ever assaulted her in the past but everybody said they were the perfect couple so i'm going to assume that he hadn't been physical with her in the past oh, who knows god now on april 19th of 2002 he was charged with second degree unintentional murder pleading not guilty which what <sighs> 
not guilty. How can you? You, d- you told them that you well, slammed her head. Well, that is going to bring you to a fucking jury. Like, you idiot. All that evidence is going to come up. Oh, it doesn't make sense. No. Now, the woman that he had been having an affair with... Ooh, does she come forward? She comes forward. They don't tell me her name. But she comes forward and claims that they had been together for about a year at that point. Oh, wow. Kind of seeing each other off and on. And during the day of the murder, they had actually been at the cabin and had had sex several times that afternoon. Oh, dear God. I know. When recreating the accident, it was discovered that he had only been going about 40 miles per hour not 60 miles per hour and on cruise control like he had originally told police. So the speed in which he was going, plus the tire marks that they found, suggest that the crash was completely intentional. (sighs) Obviously. I think that 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 type of shit is so cool. They can find out, like, how fast you were going, like, by tire marks. That stuff is super cool. So it's like, you can't hide this stuff. Like, and she's super fucking bloody and you're not. Like, oh, my God. God. I know. It's ridiculous. So he was convicted of second degree unintentional murder at the end of it all and was sentenced to 17 and a half years in prison. That's it? That's it. So he's out of prison. He was released on parole in 2014 after serving 11 years. That's not okay. Okay. Here's what's even more (laughs) fucked up. He moved back to Princeton with the woman that he had been having the affair with. Okay, what's wrong with her? I don't know. This bitch. So she stayed with him. Oh, my God. For 12 years, 11 of which he was in prison, and then allows him to move back in with her when he gets out of prison. Oh, my God. It's insane. I still, to this day, cannot believe it because, as I said... I worked with her son at this time when this happened. Could you imagine being him and knowing that your mom's murderer is out living his life? Um, No. In the same hometown? If you fucking kill another human being, I don't care if it was fucking intentional or not, you need to pay for that. That is, you need to pay with your life. You took someone else's life, so you... I mean, that's how it should be. Yeah. 11 years is not long enough. Well, especially in the case where it wasn't an accident. Like, right, right. You know like they were I making mean? it out. It was intentional. It was intentional. He fucking assaulted her. Whether or not he meant to kill her in that moment, he did. Right. He killed her. In my mind, it was intentional. He had his affair going. Like, he wanted a different life. He didn't know how to get out of it. He thought this was a way. He planned this whole scheme. Yeah. He you know, planned this fake car accident. Like, come on. That is premeditation. I'm sorry. Even if it was at that moment that he was premeditating it, he should have been in prison the rest of his fucking life. Agreed. That is not fair. I know. It's not fair. And the mistress said during, like, questioning and whatnot that she actually believed that Deborah was going to confront Steve about the affair the day that she was murdered. See? Motive. All of it. That is the fucking motive right there. Like, wow. Uh-huh. Wow. So he's out and roaming the streets. Oh, my God. At Let's 40 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, God. No. 
let's not go to Princeton. Seriously, there's nothing there. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends actually posted the other day how she wanted to get out. She still lives there. How she wanted to get out and, and go somewhere else. And a bunch of people were like, why? And my response to her post was, you literally could not pay me to live in that fucking town. I couldn't imagine that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, what a good story. Good Good choice. It's a good one. Um, another Never heard of it. Yeah. Another friend that I went to high school with, her mom actually knew Deborah, So, like, she was really, like, kind of connected to the case, too. It's it's a crazy one because you just don't think of somebody of trying to fake irritating. a murder. It's kind of fucking irritating that he's out. I, I'm kind of pissed about that, that he gets right? to live his life with his fucking mistress. Yep. And his wife is dead. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Like, there's no justice there to me. I don't care if he spent 11 years in prison. That's not justice. And No. <sighs> because it they don't say how old she was when she died but she was not that old if you see a, if you google a picture of her i would say maybe late 40s early 50s is what i would say based on her picture so you're saying that she would have only lived like another 11 years like if you know what i mean no i hate it i know i hate it too so that's the story of Deborah Hollerman. Well, thank you for sharing that story today, Amy. Yeah. Um, we are going to close out this week's Minnesota with another review. Yes. From one of our listeners. This is from Ash B underscore 42. She gave us a five-star review <gasps> and said, I don't usually listen to true crime style podcasts, but have been enjoying these episodes. I get too distracted to watch these documentaries, and I like that I can listen to this while working. Feels like I'm hanging out with my girlfriends. Aww. Oh, girl, you are. You're Isn't that the cutest thing I've ever heard? <laughs> love it so much. Thank oh, you I so much, that. Ash. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Yeah, we love you. This is the best. So thank you so much for the review. If you could, please go out and join our Facebook group, Share yes. Crime Podcast Discussion Group. Super fun. Super fun. Lots of friends. We love it. You can also follow us on Instagram at Sheer underscore crime underscore podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Sheer Crime Pod. We are also accepting requests in our email inbox, requests at sharecrimepodcast.com. Don't forget to tune in next week for a full-length episode of Share Crime on Wednesday. Yeah. And as always, don't forget, never run with scissors. Bye, guys. Bye.